It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we delve into every episode of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here, coming for round two's Brian. Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm still alive, I think. Are you? Did you have like a bout of death, a, a Jesus-style three days dead? Is it three days or two? I guess it was the third day on which he rose, wasn't it? in this one yeah i i don't know actually that's you know even even with biblical stories how are we counting time exactly is that like you know three days two nights six, yeah seven days six nights with harrison ford it's like we're going movie. into the third day so i guess supposedly maybe he died on friday and he rose sunday morning on the service i don't know they didn't have watches at 33 year 33 or whatever and uh they didn't have <laughs> accurate watches in the the backwoods of Kentucky. Where are we? Um, Rod describes it, I believe, as the southern part of the Midwest. Louisiana. What? What does that mean? <laughs> it's just sort of generically southern Appalachia, maybe. I don't know what he meant by that, but that's not Midwest. That's yeah, because I'm Georgia. You know, we got the Appalachians. I'm not going to call that the Midwest. No. But, uh, I mean, so Texas, <laughs> Texas doesn't have this kind of sort of thing, though, does it? Maybe way east. I don't know. Anyway, I'm thinking of the the Blue Hills of Kentucky is uh, what I'm thinking, although I would still I feel like you got to go one more state over from Midwest. So maybe oh, it's wait, like, I know. I know it's in Hazard County because James Best is there. That's right. Yeah. Again, in the Twilight Zone, which I'll, I'll hit the moment, I guess. Um, <laughs> sooner, I suppose. Uh, yes, this is the last rights of Jeff Myrtle Bank. That's another one where I had to like triple check the title because I think I wrote bank and then I was like, oh, is it back? And oh no, it's bank and it is bank. I, I've I've gone over it. Several I get times the impression now. that's a uh, that's a name that uh, the writer wrote made up because I can't find any other Myrtle Banks online except for reference to this episode. So well, just for the tenor of the script, I'm going to do something a little different and uh, read a th- few things from my notes um, immediately. Some lines. Who in tarnation? Dag nabbit. There's another one here somewhere, I think. Anyway, those two get the point across. So <laughs> that, that's where we are for the last rites of Jeff Myrtlebank. Uh, Trivia-wise, original air date was February 23rd, 1962. This is another Montgomery Pittman joint, as the Pittman himself wrote and directed. Uh, as you mentioned, James Best was Jeff Myrtlebank. We've already seen him in the grave, and he'll be back next season in the episode Jespel. Of course, those in the redneck know know him for playing Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazard, as you mentioned a moment ago. Comfort Gatewood was played by Sherry Jackson. She started off as a child star on the TV show Make Way for Daddy, a.k.a. the Danny Thomas show, as we better know it on Twilight Zone Bumpers. And this took her into a myriad of 60s TV guest spots. 
Uh, we can include Lost in Space, the ever-present Gunsmoke, Wild Wild West, and Star Trek's What Are Little Girls Made Of as some notable appearances. That lion, Doc Bolton was, Bolton, was played by Edgar Buchanan. After taking on small roles in half of the westerns made of the 1950s and 60s, he transitioned into doing the same thing on television. But he's probably best known for playing Uncle Joe Carson on every episode of Petticoat Junction, as well as multiple appearances of that character on Green Acres, Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies. Lance Fuller was Agram Gatewood. He did quite a few uncredited film appearances as a contract player, but you'll find him co-starring in a few genre flicks like This Island Earth. He's our first Hollywood Babylon case in a while, getting shot in the chest by an L.A. cop in 1968. But he did recover and also went uncredited in later films such as The Andromeda Strain. Finally, we do have music here by Tommy Morgan. You likely noticed a bit of harmonica in this episode, and Morgan was considered to be the most heard harmonica player at the time, with him doing his thing in more than 500 television and film productions i don't know how, how do you feel about harmonica scoring i was uh interested in looking him up and discovering that fact that was very uh that was very eye-opening i didn't know that one guy was playing the harmonica just in just about every <laughs> hollywood production you can imagine including the new twilight zone apparently later on according to his website and an episode of star trek but i'm not sure which one it was probably uh, maybe the, the gun, maybe specter of the gun was my first guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, I guess that's the most Western of TOS episodes. Um, yeah. That's mentioned on his website, but not an IMDB. So I wasn't uh, entirely sure. Well, speaking of IMDB, my, my wife pointed out that there's a, a, a notable gaffe with the, with the coffin in this episode. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Throw it out there. Sure. It's uh, got some holes drilled in it for air. <laughs> oh, well, just in case, just in case they didn't hold a proper weight, but they were, you know, they at least drilled a few holes in there. So, yeah, I guess you could have done that on the side that like wasn't on camera, but uh, <laughs> someone, someone put it. Well, I hope way. so. Yeah, I hope <laughs> it was the side that was facing away from the camera. I mean, how else would anybody have noticed it, though? So, yeah, those little production goofs. Exactly. Um, there is this thing in, in Japan, especially like feature bits on the news, if they want things to sound quaint and homey. It'll be like bass harmonica music. So apparently the way to make things sound like quaint and wholesome on in Japan is to have bass harmonica music. A little different bass than the harmonica. stuff. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, think I didn't know there was a bass harmonica. <laughs> I think Stevie Wonder liked to put more bass harmonica in his songs, you know? Hmm. Uh, just, I mean, think of a harmonica, drop it down an octave, and there you are. So... <laughs> It's like uh, your um, bass ukulele versus your standard little, you know, yeah, soprano yeah. ukulele. I think, we're gonna call that, I think we'll call that a baritone versus tenor versus soprano. But uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if ukuleles go full bass, but uh, hey, you make one big enough. Sure, why not? I don't know what the concert ukulele is. I happen to own one of those. That but... is between, that is slightly smaller than the tenor, but still a lot bigger than soprano, which I uh, <laughs> think the one i have right now is considered a tenor but it's slightly thinner so who knows oh there's the ukulele yeah, and i don't know could you do ukulele music for for the blue hills of kentucky i, I feel like you'd, you'd at least need a banjo for that 
I've I've only graduated the chords. I don't know if I can pluck out anything that would be sufficiently homey for this episode. <laughs> I'm a microphone you better buy holder. A yeah, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> microphone holder. I can't do that. Um, I am giving you the prologue. You a nice short one if you want to roll with it. <clears throat> the time, the mid twenties. The place, the Midwest. The southernmost section of the Midwest. We were just witnessing a funeral. A funeral that didn't come off exactly as planned due to a slight fallout from the Twilight Zone. I like to keep this one simple and say they just forgot to hold a wake because they didn't know any better. <laughs> I, I know later the doctor... I don't know like, what I their customs the are there. Yeah, but what later, are their customs? Then? Yeah, sure. later the doctor does say when the family went away, he you know did the needle test and stuck a needle into the guy to make sure he's dead. So, um, yeah, they, they, yeah of Uncle, course, Uncle Joe. Some, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Uncle Joe. Of course, I can't think of him as anything other than Uncle Joe as I watch this. <laughs> See, I don't know. Um, I could love Petticoat Junction Green Acres now, but when I was yeah, like in, when I was a teen, uh, turning on like Superstation or something, if it was Green Acres, I was like. I was not watching TV at that time. I didn't want to see the rednecking so much, or you know. But Green Hollywood. Acres was the more surreal show. Just weird things happened on Green Acres. No, now I think I, I think I yeah. like it now. You know, I just like yeah, just it was kind of a turn off for fifteen year old Matt. So, um, <laughs> as you know, if it's saved I, by I the bell, into I it for two hours, but yeah, I guess I was raised in a little bit of Green Acres, watching the you know the afternoon reruns, and uh, it was just like strange things would happen. I'm like. Okay, <laughs> and then you realize slowly. Wait a minute, this is like part of the petticoat verse or something because there's two shows shared casts and uh, situations and places like Pixley and Hooterville, and it was just very, very weird. If we can connect it to, I wonder how many universes we could connect that to. I mean, there's lots of weird stuff out there. I, I know um, <laughs> in the late nineties, like crossovers that cross shows that should not belong together at all you know like do you have one on the mind well i was gonna say they did later cross it over to um um beverly hillbillies because uncle joe turned up there three appearances three appearances there 17 on green acres and 220 on petticoat junction (laughs) i did not put the numbers into my trivia but for some reason i remembered them for the last (laughs) five minutes since i wrote the trivia Um, but uh yeah if you can connect anything to any of those universes then you can spin it out from there i, I mean star trek the next generation webster's in the same universe so that's kind of cool webster oh really what was that connection the, the final episode of webster ever has him being beamed onto the enterprise d and it's a clip show because he's describing to lieutenant Worf. oh i, I saw um, clip i saw clips of that clip show <laughs> Yeah, I, know. I, I think I think I shared it a few weeks ago after I discovered it existed. So, <laughs> yeah, once you that and I, I, I know um maybe it was like NBC's must see Thursdays or whatever they called it. Um, maybe it was Friday. I don't even remember anymore. But I think all of those shows were linked together once with a hurricane, even if it didn't make sense. So, you know, <laughs> well, it's usually the producers that link the shows together, you know, like um I'm trying to think of another example of that. I'm thinking like Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman. Well, obviously, one was a spinoff of the other. Yeah, that's but then they, obvious. They switch networks. One uh, one of them went to NBC, right? I think Bionic Woman. But yet they still did crossover episodes between them because they were from the same studio. This is Columbo, weird. wherein Columbo himself never shows up. That's that's a weird <laughs> one. <laughs> that is that is strange. Yes. Those are I, I Kate think, Mulgrew. Yep. 
I, I think the uh the Myrtle Bank universe is pretty pretty much um hermetically sealed though. I think this is it. I think this is all we have to think about for the <laughs> for the Myrtle verse. <laughs> and every other Twilight Zone. I don't think we ever had a crossover to another Twilight Zone. Well, I don't know. There's some later series. Maybe some of the '80s ones cross is with the hurricane or something. I I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Um, what is your favorite redneck name? We we get some good ones here. Myrtle Bank's a good one. Ogram's a fantastic. Ogram, yeah, Ogram is great. Comfort is a nice name. <laughs> um, those That's are the only comforting ones. name. Comforting, yeah. Name, yes. <laughs> oh, speaking of town folk, uh, who we didn't really get the names of, there was another Star Trek crossover. The uh, the elderly guy what was his name but that, that 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 john Lommer, he was in the cage if you uh recall the survivors quote unquote ah uh, yes with yes. vena he was the leader of the survivors that was okay. very soon after the 64 right so a couple of years later yeah this is this is one of those things where when doing the trivia i was like okay there's like 15 names here i'm taking the four i can like picture in my mind while looking at the list i'm going to do those four <laughs> so after that i was like and also i mean i i I feel like today's trivia was it was long enough let's put it that way i didn't i didn't think it needed to be longer there's never enough trivia you just keep going and going you can talk for an hour about trivia so what were your favorite uh what were your favorite uh uh sayings tarnation oh uh, the ones i wrote down were um who in tarnation dag nabbit because those are just the obvious ones to write down um Oh, oh, uh, oh, I'm going to save this one. I did like um, when the doc is uh, BSing everyone. He says, uh, Espo Suspendo Animation. <laughs> and I, I wonder if we should use that spell on on JK Rowling and, and see what happens. <laughs> maybe maybe she'll abandon Twitter. <laughs> I uh, I had a couple notes like that. Well, well, with respect to that one, I guess we'll get in into the plot of the story. But um when he came home and was eating uh eating his first meal back home he said that was larapin good ma if you were familiar larapin? with the word lar- larapin no that's probably why i didn't write down oh oh sorry another one i'll be double dogged okay but uh, I'll be sorry dogged. yeah we have that in here too that's the one I, I i knew i wrote down but was missing uh larapin what is that larapin larapin well as it's defined online somewhere um uh especially of food it's excellent uh delicious by analogy with whopping good or thumping Ooh, good be larapin good and that's an expression that i've heard my relatives back east use so i have heard the word before and left and i came back from like a family reunion or something going what is that word real <laughs> is, that, is that actually out there in the world and sure enough it is and there it is in the twilight zone so okay the one that got me was um i have a fair amount of family in maine and I worked in Maine teaching like uh, environmental education for a year. And uh, of course, I, I guess it's really a Boston thing, but it, it, it tracks over to, to um, Maine. Uh, that's wicked good. He's wicked smart. Wicked. Yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Pendulette so, say wicked a lot because he's from Massachusetts. <laughs> right. So that threw me off when I went up there to work and people were like, that's wicked good. I'm like, what? Is that, does that mean it's not good? Which is, is not the case. That's very good. Remember but, when uh, bad meant good? That's bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that one's still in vogue or not. I don't think it is. But well, it's not because I can do, I can prove it with the sentence. That Michael Jackson, he was a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> that takes on like eight different meanings now. Which one did I mean? Nobody knows. Oh no! <laughs> it's highly confusing. Yes, it is. So, um, what else do we got here? 
oh yeah, it was like he has kind of the opposite of of the Bruce Willis problem, as in the Sixth Sense one, not the not the real life one, which is rather depressing. But uh, yeah, the the Sixth Sense one, right? He, he it's very clear what the situation is from the get go once he pops out of a coffin. How would you react to someone just popping out of a coffin at a at a funeral? Oh, are you asking me how trippy that would be? Well, uh, how would you react? I mean, I guess you're <laughs> saying you'd be tripping a bit. So there we go. Uh. Uh, startled but then probably amused because i have to assume it was a giant prank <laughs> which <laughs> kind of gets into the plot again i think various interpretations of how we're supposed to take this episode right like there's about three different ways you can you can uh extrapolate what happened happened we're supposed there to be led toward one conclusion but there <laughs> it unfolds very slowly it's like um if you notice, well, if you notice, he was kind of fairly uh, shocked and surprised throughout the whole episode, but he kind of started getting a little darker and darker as time went on. So, yeah, think of that. Well, at the end, but, though, I'm like, maybe Comfort has just never seen self-striking matches because it's the 1920s. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can you can you can do a little sleight of hand and make that sort of thing happen. Yeah, well, I was just trying to think of the you know going through the logical explanations of what happened but then they kept checking you at every step of the way so there's the actual premature burial and resurrection which <laughs> i was getting back to episode sependo animation was it 30 cases in 1500 years and most of them in europe <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> he's good at bsing yeah good but at that, BSing. but that phenomenon is real and it's called less complicatedly auto well, this is more complicated. Auto resuscitation after failed cardiopulmonary resuscitation, but people just call it the Lazarus effect for obvious reasons. And believe it or not, there's been 38 cases in the last 40 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> so a little more common than we think. The numbers, the numbers almost lined up, except for the 40 versus 1500. But yeah. <laughs> um. There's one other idea that just dropped in my mind because I've read a bunch of weird metaphysical and mystical books. The, the idea of the walk-in, uh, which I've, I've heard several people talk about, like someone has a horrible illness, injury, actually dies, and like uh, another soul takes their place, which I guess is what the townspeople are kind of thinking here anyway, right? They're kind of... Yeah, assuming. they're they're going towards a evil spirit or something like that. So there's that. I think that's where we're supposed to believe they're going with it especially with the, the the match being sort of a devilish sort of thing so i don't know if it's supposed to be the devil or just a demon of some sort is that what they're implying some sort of impish being that you know took advantage of the situation and came along and took his body i don't know and this could be 2023 guy like reading in too much but they keep talking about he keeps fiddling around you know which i'm like what's that actually mean <laughs> Later, um, Comfort says, he hit me in a different way than we do around here. No, 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 that, that was actually... Um, that was uh, Agram, right? Agram, that was Agram, excuse me. That says that. So I'm like, that feels like kind of a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know. I mean, in 1962, it's hard to say because you would make it really under the surface if you were going for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the whole spartacus thing right so that's yeah yeah it do did you like kind of oysters or do you know okay <laughs> so that that at least dropped my mind like um i don't know that i mean this is this is not so much a serling one as a Pittman one who is now this is his 
what do you do? Uh, two, the grave, and this one? There might be another one in there somewhere. But um, I feel like the Pippin yeah. ones are kind of like on their own little specific Twilight Zone track. Like they feel a little bit different. Aren't they mostly are they mostly rural ones? You pointed out that there was a lot of rural season three's got a lot of rural stuff. Yeah. And even two, it's not rural, but it's two abandoned people in a urban jungle, right? So, you know, I mean you could still the kind of basic template. Um Well, yeah, there's obviously some ranch in Southern California they could use for outdoor scenes, but it seems like a lot of it's also, you know. Was it was it the hunt? Maybe the hunt was probably the hunt. Yeah, that's that being another another rural one. But yeah, I, I've definitely been tracking like uh, season three of the Twilight Zone has a lot of very elderly people and a lot of very backwoods stuff, which I don't know. Just I mean, as someone that goes through every episode and air date, you start to notice this. <laughs> well, yeah, and also heavy with uh, Earl Hamner and Montgomery Pittman scripts. Right. Oh, there was... I... Go ahead. I was just saying at this point we are seeing less of the season one pinch hitters. Uh, I don't remember seeing so much Richard Matheson lately or um, the, uh, the, the guy whose name always escapes me and it shouldn't. <laughs> uh, uh, George Clayton Johnson? Not him. The the, the guy that died. Oh, Charles Beaumont. Thank you. Because he's <laughs> actually like my favorite non-Serling writer on the Twilight Zone. I can never remember his name because I'm an idiot. So. <laughs> yeah, Beaumont's probably the, the second most famous and overall you know regarded right certainly i think and yeah because i feel like the, the, Ma- the matheson ones tend to be like maybe a little more high concept but they feel closest to serling like you could throw out some matheson and serling episodes and mm-hmm. i might have to flip a coin to decide which one i thought wrote it without looking at the credits where these pitman ones have a flavor you know clayton johnson ones are different you know uh the earl hamner ones are very different so <laughs> So it's like I, I keep thinking that somewhere, you know, in the Waltons, you know, in, in somewhere outside of uh, town or whatever in the Waltons is probably some Twilight Zone patches. There's a cornfield. There's a... <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, that's where the cornfield is. <laughs> well, like, he didn't write that, did he? Who wrote that? That was Sterling, wasn't it? That was, but I'm just saying that we could put a cornfield there and it, it's, it's kind of a fit. Um... <laughs> the other one that this made me think of um, by the end, like you said, they have subtle hints throughout the episode, build slowly. I'm sort of like, this is kind of like an alternate, it's a good life in a way. Because by the end of the episode, he's put in the same fear as um, uh, Bill Mooney's character. I forget the kid's name. Right. But yeah, it's, it's kind of this, he's putting the same fear into these townspeople. Being a, a you know, a, a grown-ass man, he, he doesn't have to make an example because a six-year-old doing that would have to prove himself, right? Whereas this guy can pretty much, what, what does he say? If you leave me alone, everything will probably be fine. But if you bother me, you might be you know, playing with fire, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so there's like the three theories of this episode that, that I had, you know, the, the pos- you know, possession by some spirit, which is kind of what we're being led toward. There was the notion that it was a natural phenomenon and uh, he just came back for some rare but explicable reason but the other one i thought of was like is this a giant hoax did he just collaborate with the doctor to make it seem like he was dead so he could uh pull this giant hoax on the townspeople and maybe get even with some folks like augram in the process 
But then why would he fool comfort at the very end of the episode unless she was like very reticent about marrying him and he just used this as some sort of leverage to uh he said herself she's a fickle commit. woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she said herself, I'm a fickle woman. It's like really girl okay that's a turn off for me at least um <laughs> but well actually, maybe that was the reason he did it is to get her to commit to that so maybe you can spin it that way i mean that's another way you can spin the story but then the little match self-lighting match at the end would have been just icing on the cake or something i don't know i don't know why he'd feel compelled to to you see can learn her some part of trips yeah you might just be someone who likes to play mind games i like to play mind games um <laughs> well, yeah, it's a trick. It's a stage trick because they actually did it in the episode. So it's something you can do. I do find it interesting. You mentioned the hoax thing. One, uh, it it didn't occur to me that he's in it with the doctor. And it's a hoax, but I like the idea. And that was the idea I also didn't think of when we were talking about the grave being the other Pittman that um, another Pittman that that the sister in that one was actually, you know, trolling the the Lee Marvin. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which didn't really occur to me watching it. I'm, I'm like, well, hey, I wonder if that is like kind of a subtext of these of these Pittman episodes. Like <laughs> the weird hoax angle seems to fit with the, now at least two of them. Um, oh, and even with the hunt, uh, and I, I apologize if I'm getting that wrong as being one of his, but we, we were like, well, should he could he have actually trusted that second guy? There does seem to be like this unexpressed twist in his episodes, which other people are bringing up to me i'm not figuring it out myself but oh you mean the the second guy down the road being the burly gates instead of the first guy no the second guy down the road also being a road to hell right that was the premise but but yeah there's two roads (laughs) how many roads must a man walk down matt how many roads We'll just stay in one place. I think that's what we uh, settled on on the podcast. Just if uh, again, getting back to uh, K. Mulgrew Voyager. Hey, if you find yourself dead, maybe just wait for a little while and see what happens. Uh, don't don't just jump into the light, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Well, the alternative in that situation is just kind of stay on Purgatory Road for all eternity and never go down any of them. So, yeah. well, the passersby, uh, she hung around Purgatory for a while and eventually went on her way so you know you wait you collect information that's not at the worst idea you're already dead. yeah what are you gonna do die <laughs> i guess that was the the location where all the uncertain souls stopped at that house of hers so they can sort out their situation for real before continuing down the road um, but uh, if abraham lincoln comes up to you and says you're dead i think you're dead <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta gotta trust lincoln maybe i don't know i never knew the man <laughs> uh what would what would your hillbilly name be i wrote my mine would be jethro bodegard uh basically because when i was being before i was born my my cousins since my parents had moved to georgia suggested that's the name that they should go with which they did not use but are all those uh um, names just their shortened diminutive forms of their actual birth certificate names like billy bob is really william robert you know jimmy joe is really you know james joseph and and so on is that how that works or is it actually written on their birth certificates that way i I think sometimes it is birth certificates because you hear about like if you're reading a book about some famous people and they have a slightly off name it's like no this actually is their name uh one of my favorites is uh, if you ever look at harry s truman uh, the s does not have a period 
because his middle name actually is S. It did not stand for anything. I had a neighbor like that. <laughs> we already called him by his last name, which was Murphy, or we just called him Murph. But his he did not have uh, he did not have a, a name. He had two initials, Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, birth certificates sometimes are weirder than you think. So I, I, I someone's birth certificate must say Billy Bob on it somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I could be uh I could be Brian Bob, I suppose. Bra Bob. You got Bri Bob. You gotta get the first part a little shorter. Yeah. <laughs> I go with well, that. I don't know if there's a official diminutive uh for Brian. I mean it's a pretty short name to begin with, but Bri sometimes gets thrown around, I suppose, in some places. But <laughs> Bra Bob. Um, I'm just looking through my notes for any anything else that I, I you know, came down with. Um, oh, yes, I, I just a uh, few of my snarky comments that I made is uh, one, the doc mentions the needle test and obviously it would be anachronistic, but I, I just wanted him to be like, yeah, I tried the Joker's pencil test, you know. <laughs> the dark yeah. That's harsh, man. <laughs> hey, he's already dead. It's nicer than the Joker. Um Oh, the other one at at the end when he is confronting the posse and he snaps. I was like, if if he is powerful, like it, it's a good life. Maybe that was like a Thanos snap, and it's just that village didn't necessarily have people disappear. But if you if you went to the cities, you you know, a lot of people just vanished. <laughs> Why would people vanish? I'm trying to uh, the understand. Thanos the Thanos snap from Marvel. He snaps uh, the Infinity. Uh, gauntlet and half the universe's population disappeared. Okay, I, I got that. Okay, how does that relate to this episode, though? I didn't understand. That's that's his that's his um, coup de grace with the posse when he's trying to freak them out. He's like, I could just oh. snap my fingers. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, he actually Thanos snapped. There was my he, he, yeah, they all jumped too. Right, yeah. right. It's just the fifty percent did not include those people. But if you went to New York City, you'd find a lot of people. It just vanished. <laughs> So through this episode, we have this journey. He gets more and more sinister. First, not in an outward way, but like the flowers wilting. That was very strange. <laughs> that was the creepiest part, I think. Yeah, yeah that Maybe was probably the, the weirdest thing. But then he starts getting more and more belligerent. You know, I mean, obviously he beats up the brother and then he threatens the town people. But that could all have been, again, kind of like like maybe the experience if if it were a natural experience just changed him as it probably would anybody you know like you're given a second lease on life you become more um emboldened you know, or confident yeah you're emboldened to do things you wouldn't normally have done so but you keep being thrown these you know these curveballs with the flowers and then the match and he's like eh, okay <laughs> That's where I do find this one interesting. Uh, of, of these Pittman episodes, I think I probably like the grave the best, but this one is, this one does make you think a little more than the grave, and and it's uh, certainly within you know, you know, arms reach of that one. Th those two both seem to work pretty good for for this guy. Again, it's almost like talking about a little sub series of the Twilight Zone when you look at these episodes. Yeah, and again with the the notion that he's possessed it's like well was he fully possessed from the first moment or is this something that's just kind of slowly taking over like that was, that was kind of the point i wanted to make was that he becomes more and more 
demonic for lack of a better word even though he's mm-hmm. never super demonic but he becomes more and more creepy the, the you know the creepiness factor continues to rise like something is taking him over you know? the overreaction factor is also rising though let's uh let's take uh agram he's like he broke my jaw and a minute later let's go chase my okay wait wait if he broke your jaw you're not going to be talking this coherently <laughs> <laughs> which they pointed out to him because he's just being a wimp at that point because exactly. he's never been beaten up before so he doesn't know what it's like <laughs> yeah so i think to a certain point the the their own fears are also making jeff look more demonic from their perception it might not even be so much jeff you know they're just like projecting their fears onto him and making him and and, and yeah how much of that is screen you know movie television making just the atmosphere we're being given or is this mm-hmm. guy just kind of like you know he could be more like you know like mr magoo mr bean one of the guys that think everything just bounces off of you know <laughs> although he, he, de- he definitely stands his ground at the end okay so he, that's something that magoo or bean would not do but <laughs> they wouldn't have to yeah well whether he uh came back from the dead naturally or uh you know uh supernaturally he he does get more uh, as you said, emboldened, he's he's found like his some inner strength. But yeah, he does have enough of uh, wit about him to give them that speech. Like, if I'm just me, then you have nothing to worry about. But if I'm not, you know. <laughs> well, and the, keep in mind that after two weeks, the first signs that something's not right is he's he's nicer and more personal to, to people. He works harder. <laughs> you know, it's like the first signs are all like technically good things. <laughs> Like he's not. Why is so he lazy. suddenly so industrious? Why is he yeah. sitting here reading catalogs like his dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so another piece of uh, trivia. Um, I think there was a um, M. Pittman mailbox out there on the road where his sister went to go wait for the mailman. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you, you see, see that? that? Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't specifically notice that, but I'm like, yeah, of course. Why not? You would do that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My uh, my wife pointed that one out to me too. <laughs> Didn't. <catch> it. <laughs> yeah, I watched this by myself. <laughs> Do you want to throw out any other big uh, observations you had on this episode? Um, only that uh, I did sort of a you know dive down the rabbit hole looking into these cases of people coming back, and some of them are just really really bizarre they don't always have a happy ending sometimes they discover they're alive um but then they pass away anyway very shortly thereafter sometimes um when we didn't get to this point people who are buried alive and there's a really weird case that uh, what was it no two of them uh twice in 2014 there are two cases of women in greece who were buried alive and in both cases people heard the woman screaming from underground. <laughs> that was like, oh, really, really creepy. <laughs> well, yeah, they used to they used to have bells for that reason, right? So. Yeah, I was trying to look up that that thing. Sometimes they had bells. Sometimes they had encrypts like little windows so they can look in, make sure they're they're still there, <laughs> or and they're still not moving. Um, but I think the bells they had to like tie it onto the body. So if they started wiggling around they would uh, ring the bell up on the surface of the grave. I couldn't find much about it. I've heard that that before, but I've never seen an example of it. 
This one's uh, interesting just because it's coming back. I mean, now I guess it's more uh, you tend to come across more like the the near death experience, right? Where people are explaining those, where uh, they don't end up in a in a coffin with air holes like this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there was somebody who had also made an elaborate mausoleum where it was possible that the if the body came back to life, it would have ample access to the outside to the hatch or something so they can leave <laughs> just in case they resurrected just spontaneously so <laughs> again i found a lot of weird stories like that <laughs> um i guess we'll go ahead and do a few questions here the first being who in this episode went through the twilight zone oh like this one's a little more i guess you some. say jeff definitely you know, went beyond the veil and returned. At least that's how it's spelled out to us. So there's that. And that said, if he's if he is a a spirit, as the town suspects, and as we are left to maybe slightly suspect by the end of the episode, then then the Jeff we've seen the entire episode would be from the Twilight Zone, and the townspeople would be going through the Twilight Zone in that <laughs> case. So if they're right, if they're right, then the town's going through. The, I think the town's going through the Twilight Zone in any case. Like maybe more than Jeff. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Jeff has all of his knowledge and memories of who he is when he when he comes back. So that's why I was thinking, well, maybe this is him at first, but then this uh influence that brought him back is slowly, you know, kind of taking over. It's like, oh, okay, I got the ropes now. I know who everybody is. I, I have all your memories. I can start doing things I want to do. And then but we don't ever have any sort of like inner conflict, any sort of battle where he's like talking to himself and like, get out of my head sort of thing. He's just, he just kind of slowly eases into this new persona. So if, if it is an outside thing coming in, maybe he's like, golly, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, but yeah, we don't get any scene in his head, you know, uh, uh, in, you know, like some sort of limbo set where he would be talking to someone saying, well, if you let me on back in there with you, I'll bring you with me. <laughs> and then just have him get the boot later on. But there's but no I, sign of conflict in his head. It's just he's, He seems very sen- genuine, seems very sincere, like shocked as, as everyone that he's alive. Right. So he I has guess no memory a, of it dying. As a human experience that we can associate with, we would associate more with the, uh, the possibly with the townspeople, Twilight Zone experience in this, dealing with this kind of situation. I mean, going back to Trek again, uh, the the second pilot um, where, where no man has gone before, that's kind of this vibe once uh, um, Lieutenant Gary gets blasted by whatever, you know? Is that the real, is that the guy in there? Is that an outside source? It's hard to tell, which that episode never quite rectifies either, I think. Yeah, it's like, well, I think we're supposed to let, be led to believe that, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So as his powers grow, he just becomes more and more malevolent, you know, but maybe that's so here kind it's, of... it's just the lesser word of emboldened, I guess, you know, or yeah. not. Who knows? Given another month, see what happens. He's maybe in cahoots with the doctor, man. I'm telling you, it's all just a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> that was the doctor's prescription for uh, upping his status in this town or, well, at least his power in this town. Maybe not his status. Um, well, let's get, look. Let's look at his body and see if he has a stab mark where the doctor poked him with the pin. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we'll know if he work. actually poked him with the pin. Then we'll yeah. know if he was telling the truth. Mm. It might have healed though. It's been it's been two weeks at least, probably three by the time. Uh, he there. Darn it! Yeah, he heals quickly. Um, I think it would leave. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you use a thin pin. Hey, it's like acupuncture. That didn't leave a scar. <laughs> it sounded like he jabbed him really hard. <laughs> I, I guess I'll start the second question. Does he deserve his trip into the twilight zone by um? putting it on jeff even though i guess my the answer to my first question is more of the town but uh we'll put it on jeff does he does he deserve this weird resurrection having died too young from an illness getting a second chance well again if he's being if he's being possessed by some other force then i would say he didn't deserve it i don't think he was you know at his at his funeral they're saying you know he may have been out uh what did he say? <laughs> May have been out drinking, but he wasn't out doing anything else or whatever on Saturday night. He wasn't like a really bad person. Oh, no, no, he, he didn't. He didn't go to the church, but he was not out with bootleggers on a bootleggers. But, but I can't say the word bootleggers. He was not out with the <laughs> bootleggers <laughs> Saturday night. Okay, so he did not go out with the. That's right. That's right. Okay, so. Or may or oh, they was that, was that a clue? Him. Does that mean he he's like a he's like an ungodly person? He didn't go to church enough, and so right. the demonic demonic force found him a good vessel to inhabit because he didn't have you know you know God behind him or something. Hmm. Hmm. That might be well, maybe maybe that's his punishment. <laughs> he didn't go to church <laughs> enough, therefore you get possessed by a demon. Sorry, that's just he's the way probably still not going to church. I'm I'm thinking he's going to stay away from the town people somewhat in the future. Unless he's just going to go straight, it's a good life, in which case he can do what he wants. But well, something they didn't try doing is just throwing some holy water on and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there is a vampire suggestion. So okay, he did. He did have the vampire line. He yeah. See that's now that he's starting to um, kind of manipulate comfort in that sense. Like oh. I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you treating me this way? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but yeah, but, that, uh, who, 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 who did so? So who did, deserved it? Maybe, maybe the townsfolks deserved a little bit for being a little, you know, kind of dickish towards him. I suppose <laughs> jump to conclusions, mapish with him. Yeah, <laughs> but they, who knows? I mean, the episode definitely is up in the air that they are, you know there's intimations or conclusion might hold some water because this is the twilight zone. I mean, so <laughs> in the real world, you might not want to jump to that conclusion, but in the twilight zone, you can, uh, what's your tripometer? Zero of course is not trippy. Five is pretty trippy. I don't know whether it was natural or supernatural. I think coming back from the dead is pretty fairly trippy, <laughs> whether it's you yourself or someone you loved and seeing them, come back so i would probably give it more like a four on that sense i just think that's it it takes a while to readjust when you've gone through the trauma of losing them and then having them reappear <laughs> that's doesn't happen very often in the real world so <laughs> we're, we're seldom prepared for it i i said on a decimal um i, I think hillbilly like you know cowboys and hillbillies tend to take the trip out for me but i agree there is a lot of trippy stuff in here so i wanted to give it more than a three so i settled on a 3.25 so a little, little lower here, but yeah there's enough ambi the ambiguity here is uh makes most of the trippiness for me i think so 
Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was just going to integers. I was trying to keep it simple. Because <laughs> even very trippy Twilight Zones sometimes do provide sort of an answer where this one leaves it way up in the air, you know? So, like, Willoughby makes it clear that the guy did die in the end. How exactly is ambiguous, right? You know, Shadow Play, mm-hmm. this guy does go through the cycle every night, but why is why things change is ambiguous that's but this one is just like i don't even know if this guy like you said if it's natural or a hoax or if something weird actually is going on so yeah that was the thing about it there are multiple directions it can go i mean we're just kind of led along with the townsfolk's interpretation and the doctor corroborated his death you know his but uh makes you think about these actual cases it's like how could people miss out on that well apparently they do actually go through a complete shutdown but then spontaneously their respiration or the heartbeat which both have to happen because your brain's going to die in short order if he doesn't get this oxygen right so yeah some people make full recoveries from it being dead for like upwards of 30 minutes or something it's like wow that's that's just crazy to think about. i'm not an md i don't know how this works <laughs> <laughs> neither am i that's why it's freaking me out a little bit when i think about it <laughs> i guess i will wrap up for today uh give it do a bit of the the business of course uh we're time enough pod on twitter facebook support us on patreon at podcastio podcastius where we talk about good films and bad films on films and filth as well uh, Brian, you're there for the 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 supposed film Once Upon a Time in America and the supposed filth, The Avengers, which I think recently aired as this one is. So this is this is more far flung in the future. Oh yeah, uh, we're thinking forward yeah, into the future. That's right. A caught Disney. We look into the weirder side of of the mouse, and you can hear some video game stuff with Luke loves Pokemon. Hyrule Field report about the Zelda games and the game game show where the gamers game each other okay i think we've covered it and um your 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 thing is i guess currently just showing up on our podcast so that pretty much that <laughs> my thing everybody. is your thing this uh, these days this is where i spend my time so i am the come over to podcastio podcastius if you're not there go over to mission walk and hang out with those folks because they're all fun Yes, which and they're usually over here too. So, <laughs> which we're about to do right now. So I'm going to uh, kill this podcast and resurrect into a live chat, I guess. But in, in less than three days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was Larapin good.